The Athletic. Hi guys, Laurie here. Since recording the pod this morning, there's been a major development from Manchester United. So we've updated The Athletic and I'm giving you a little voice note ahead of this podcast. Um, basically, United are starting the process to terminate Cristiano Ronaldo's contract. That's our understanding. Um, they've considered legal action prior to this point because of his interview with Piers Morgan. And ultimately, it looks like there's going to be a parting of the ways where Manchester United would hope that there's no cost involved to them. Uh, United's statement this morning said, Manchester United has this morning initiated appropriate steps in response to Cristiano Ronaldo's recent media interview. We will not be making further comment until this process reaches its conclusion. A short statement, uh, but as we're reporting, United are exploring the possibility of cancelling Ronaldo's contract. Uh, there's a procedure to follow in that, so it might take a little bit of time, but I think everybody involved would like a quick resolution. Clearly, he's not going to play for the club again. Uh, it's a developing story that you can read more about on The Athletic, and we'll drop another Talk of the Devils too. Right, on with the rest of the podcast. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And guess what? We're going to be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo again on this podcast after the full release, finally, of his interview. We'll discuss and dissect it all after the five-day drip has finally finished. We'll also get the views of thousands of subscribers to The Athletic, plus your comments and questions on United's current and maybe former now number seven. Plus, at the end, we'll also hear about Laurie's chat with the former Manchester United keeper, Edwin van der Sar. Right, let's introduce the lads then. Once again, they're in three different countries. We've got Karl Anker in England. We've got Andy Mitten in Spain. And Laurie Whitwell is in Jordan as his trip to the World Cup nears an end. Nearly there, Laurie. Nearly there. Nearly there. It's been a long time. Lots of experiences. Not that much sleep, although I actually got a really good one last night. This was the first time in like about a week that I've had more than like four hours. So feeling much better today. It's sun shining outside in a man. Um, yeah, been great. Yeah, yeah. Haircuts looking sharp as well after the trip to the Turkish Barbers, yeah. which uh, I enjoyed the, the updates <laughs> on social media. Um, let's get into it then straight away. Ronaldo, Andy, how, how are we feeling then? Uh, we've heard every word of it now. It's dominated the media landscape in the week running up to the World Cup. Uh, I don't think it was a good idea for him to do it. I thought it was unprofessional for him to do it. I think the only people who came out of it well, um, from their perspective, if not ours, um, would be Piers Morgan and his boss, Rupert Diogo Delo. Diogo Delo, yeah. I mean, we knew that they Ronaldo liked him and, and vice versa. But no, nah, I'm not having it. It's a shame. It's, it's, um, it's not a good look and... I think he did it from a point of, of weakness, not a point of strength. And it's all right coming out, calling the Glazers out. He wasn't doing that last season. This is all about him. It's very self-serving. Again, he's the best player I've ever seen play for Manchester United. Again, it's another club legend coming to an unsavoury end in his time at the club. And I just want it to be over. I want Manchester United to move on. And I think that the the club will do that, but I still don't have the answer because he's still got a contract for another six months. Carl, you're smiling like you agreed with pretty much every single syllable of that. Yeah, this is just the the petulant ramblings of a declining egotist, if I'm going to be really mean about it. A lot of it is just a big shrug. We've just had 90 minutes of a man explaining, okay, he's saying quite a few things that are correct, but also quite a few things that aren't new or revelatory, and then saying a whole bunch of things where you're going... Have you considered that you might be the problem here? What do you think of it, Laurie? He's obviously just trying to force his way out, isn't he, in the most explosive way possible. He clearly has a big thing about being known and famous. I mean, you know, he's the most famous footballer in the world. Clearly, he's got ridiculous amounts of followers on Instagram. And this is all part of that. You know, Piers Morgan's got a big following himself, so that's 
what makes sense there between them. There's obviously a self-serving means for both of them, um, which is fair enough. You know, uh, he's, he's got a great interview there, Piers Morgan, that we're talking about now. The whole world's talking about it. But I think that it's a, in terms of a football thing, uh, it's purely just to get himself out of Manchester United and, and force this year. And it may, it may work because, you know, United now, uh, we did a piece uh, earlier this week where we were talking about on The Athletic the fact that United are having these conversations, lawyers are being consulted, you know, they, they, they're looking at whether they can end this thing. Um, you know, that, that's been the, the premise really from the end of the summer where they would have accepted a free transfer. If someone, had, if another club had said, we'll take him for you, United wouldn't have demanded a transfer fee when it came to the final end of the season. They, they did originally, the, the window, sorry, they did originally try and keep him. But I think now that's the that's the case. They'll try and accelerate that. Can they, you know, agree a mutual termination? And it's up to Ronaldo whether he wants to forego those final bit of wages. Um, I mean, I do, I do think some of the stuff that he's talking about. He was privately saying last year in terms of you know the swimming pool, you know, not being fixed or um, issues around Carrington, which then United have they would say acted on and and you know improved those kind of facilities. I would kind of say well. Does it really need a star player to point these kind of things out? Should it not be proactive and, and improvements? Are they really good enough? You know, can they not be? Uh, you know, United do lag behind other clubs now in terms of facilities. Um, so, and I do think he was saying these kind of things behind the scenes because he, he certainly gave Ralph Ranić a, a tough time when he was manager. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer also had to kind of. Uh, there was some delicacy involved there over selections, clearly. So it's it's been a long running thing. Um, but I, I wonder if you know some of the, some of what he says we, we shouldn't ignore just because it's been it's come through a prism of um, this kind of you know self serving grandiosity. Oh, good word! Laurie's found a dictionary on his travels, isn't he? I'm not sure it's really the right word, but you know we'll <laughs> it go was with a big it. one. <laughs> I think a lot of what Ronaldo is saying is right, but he's not doing the right thing, and the timing and the way he's choosing to use this is not the right way to go about it. I think. There is what makes it even more difficult is that on top of what the things that he's saying that are correct, he's saying things that are wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, alternative his truth facts. <laughs> his truth, and he has often said, "There's multiple sides of the truth." And in any sort of story involving football players, there tends to be three or four people in the room, and three or four people have their own interpretation of what is actually going on. But there are things where, where another saying something, and you can go, "That is just not true." That, that is not how that series of events happened. Or there are times where Ronaldo is saying something and the difficult bit is you would have hoped a friend would go on his shoulder and go, yeah, Ronaldo, you know, most people don't experience that. You've been getting away with it for years and now you're not. And now you have to understand how the rest of the world works. There is one aspect of the interview where I did feel some empathy for him and please don't, attack me because I've seen the results of the uh, the fan survey so I- I'm guessing a lot of Manchester United fans will probably disagree with this but this man has been indulged forever you know he has been um, he's been put on a pedestal that's been separate to other footballers and other people for a very very long time and he's only probably got two or three years of his career left so part of me wants him to just continue to be indulged in a way that he has been before because he is the the figure that he's been for football. He is the player that he's been. Just let him have his last couple of years in a place that 
want to do that. And it doesn't feel like Manchester United, this manager in particular, want, want to do that with Ronaldo. And I don't disagree that they shouldn't do that because United look better without him and, and have done throughout the duration of this season. But you sort of think then, well, right, well, find somewhere where you can go and play, where you can be the main aspect of the team, where people can play to your strengths, where you get the right type of service, where you're not asked to do things that you either don't want to do or aren't able to do, and just go and be indulged somewhere else. You know, that that, that was sort of an overriding emotion. I had. It, the whole thing just felt really sad, to be honest. It felt sad that it's come to this. The first part of the interview on Wednesday when he was talking about how amazing it was when he came back and all the emotions of the return and the game against Newcastle. I mean, our heads fell off on the podcast, didn't they, when he came back? I mean, it's quite embarrassing when you when you look back at it now at how it's worked out. But, you know, that that's sort of a view into how we thought it would be and how it could be. And I just think it's it's such a shame that it's come to this. But I, I do have some sympathy for him that it must be really annoying, frustrating and upsetting that you're not being sort of indulged I'm going to use that word again like you were before just because you're arguably the best player that's ever lived and now you're a sub it must just be a really really difficult thing to to deal with yeah yeah but I mean you described you know a place where he can be indulged and he can play in a team that caters to his strengths fine one I think the difficult thing for Ronaldo and I think Ronaldo still hasn't quite accepted yet is those football clubs aren't in the Champions League yeah Right, and Ronaldo has had many a fantastic season where he has carried teams or he has been that extra amount of X factor to get very, very, very good teams over the line. There was a point in time where Manchester United, yeah, maybe they could have won the Premier League without Cristiano Ronaldo under Sir Alex Ferguson, but Ronaldo often was that separating factor between you know those United teams and Chelsea and Arsenal and everyone else. Yeah, maybe Real Madrid could have beaten. Atletico Madrid in that Champions League final but Ronaldo more or less got that fourth goal even though they were yeah, blah 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 or yeah maybe you know they wouldn't have beaten Juventus in that Champions League final and then Ronaldo went off and did that right Ronaldo had often been that thing of two teams go head to head they go 100% and then Ronaldo activates himself and does something amazing I think Allegri spoken two or three times about how he planned his entire life around getting to the Champions League final and doing everything he needed to do and then Ronaldo turned up and he just went oh for the brilliant but if Ronaldo wants to continue playing in those great teams and he wants to be indulged personally, as in his own personality, and have someone in the dressing room who laughs at his jokes uh, and have someone you know, not fine him or not suspend him for when he does something ridiculous, then Ronaldo also needs to understand, tactically speaking, stay in the penalty area. <laughs> and if he doesn't want to do that, then that's it. Right, let's get into the interview then and talk about some of the different aspects of what Ronaldo had to say. First up, he said that Manchester United were harsh to suspend him after refusing to come on in the win against Tottenham in October. This is what Ronaldo had to say before I get your thoughts. I was very, 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 very disappointing for the communicator of Manchester United, to be honest. I never had a problem with any club, with any coach, and they suspend me three days which is, is, I felt a lot and it was, it was a shame. Was it humiliating for you? I think so, yes. Right, Carl, I'll come to you first then. He links the two incidents where he leaves together uh, and he says, you know, he was reprimanded after he walked out against Tottenham Hotspur and he said... Well, he like incorrectly thought that uh, the, the first question was about 
Tottenham when it was actually about Real Vallecano, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And this is really interesting to me because he says, and I've got the quote here, me and eight players, but they only mention my name. Everyone do that. Last year, many players do the same. Blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's not true. They didn't only mention Cristiano Ronaldo's name because the very first press conference of the Premier League season before United played Brighton, Eric Ten Hag was asked about this and Ten Hag very angrily responded to a journalist saying... There were many players who left, but the spotlight is on Cristiano and that's not right. So I think then do your research eh? and uh, make out that many players left. What is not correct, um, that is what I said. We've been on this podcast and we've also mentioned that Diogo Dalla was one of the players that left as well. Um, so this idea that Ronaldo is being scapegoated or being ostracised while everyone else got away with it is it's not true. And he was defended by his manager in a very public place saying it wasn't just Cristiano Ronaldo. And then on top of that, I think, you know, if, I, if a journalist who wasn't in uh, <clears throat> heart-eyed emojis towards Cristiano Ronaldo, they probably should have asked the question, Cristiano Ronaldo, if you think, if you prefer to set an example for other players, do you not think you leaving encouraged other players to go? Do you not think if you had stayed, all of those other players would have stayed as well? That should have been the next question. And I think that is the big point of difficulty with a lot of what Cristiano Ronaldo says, where he says, these things are difficult, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing this. The follow-up question should always be, Ronaldo, do you not think if you had acted differently, everyone would have followed in your line because you're Cristiano Ronaldo? Andy? It's his version of the truth. Self-serving. He's, he's, he's been indulged all his life. And I think he needs someone who has a word with him at times and gives him a reality check. I've seen it with other very famous footballers and it takes them a good few years after they've stopped playing to just slowly glide down into knowing how much a loaf of bread costs. And he is the most extreme example of that where his son telling him, um, but dad, how can they punish you? You're the best player in the world. To say that felt like a really weird sentence didn't it really it did although my dad once told me he could kick a ball into space and I went into school the next day and told everyone I don't think your dad would re- recount that tale in quite the same way that Ronaldo did though he, yeah. he, he, he needs a foil he needs someone saying this this is wrong but instead he's surrounded by people who are petrified of him because they've got a vested financial interest in him and the end result is this mess of an interview um, with with Piers Morgan, I don't think he realizes how unpopular Piers Morgan is um, with a lot of Manchester United fans. That said, as Laurie alluded to earlier, he got the scoop big time. There is a detachment from reality. I don't buy all this. All the fans are wonderful. It bores me when players say that. The reality is often found in nuance, and I just don't get that generalization. All fans are great. All United fans are great. That said, United fans have been very supportive of him in in real life. It's probably a good moment to reflect on how Eric Ten Hag has dealt with this whole situation, inheriting Ronaldo and and everything that's gone with it since then, really. What do you think? How do you think he's done? I think he's handled a very, very difficult situation pretty well um, in what is his you know, first season as a manager at Manchester United. Um, clearly, you can hear from Ronaldo that you know, he says he doesn't respect him. Um he didn't respect it's the worst Ralph line Rangnick. of the interview, that isn't it? I think it's really damning because I don't, I don't think 
Tanaga's done anything that is um, beyond what you'd expect a manager who's trying to assert himself would would do, you know. Um, and 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 he did he, he did you know allow for um, more slack, I think, than perhaps he would do with other other players. Um, you know, on on precinct tour, we go right back to that. You know, the, the stories came out that he wanted to leave, didn't show up for preseason tour, but then he since revealed about his daughter being ill, and United took that. At face value, there was there was executives there. He said that they didn't believe him, but I've 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 spoken to people that were absolutely adamant that they understood that that was a, a real issue. Aside from all the um, desire to leave and, and what was going on with George Mendes calling different clubs, and Ten Hag throughout that whole summer, we asked him repeatedly um, about you know Ronaldo wants to leave, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and he said it's a personal issue. I'm not going to discuss it. End of discussion. So that to me is a manager actually sticking up for his player really. And then as, as Carl's mentioned, you know, he came back quite strongly on the um, aspect of him leaving against Rio Vallecano, but he can't, you know, can't cut slack indefinitely. And, and a player leaving a game in full view of everybody leaving the dressing room whilst they're celebrating. I know players that were that thought that was absolutely awful behaviour from Ronaldo. So if 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 Ten Hag allows that to slide, he's he's got you know not not muting on his hands amongst other players, but it, it just the standards fall so dramatically that how can he ever build anything? He has to take action, and I think the action that he took was was fair. You know, to to drop him from the squad, train solo, didn't make him train with the kids, um, wasn't available for the Chelsea game. He, that was. You know, detrimental. He, he took a player out of his own hands that he could have put on in that game, maybe to you know score a late winner. You know, he scored a winner at Everton, um, and I'm sure it had the situation been different, he would have put him on against Chelsea to try and get a goal. But you know, he's, he can't. He, I think the action that he took was fair, and I think that underlines the kind of manager that he is. Um, clearly, he's made some mistakes. I think over you know team selections, and but he's, he's learning whilst he's in this job, and, he, and what he's produced at Ajax, and, and what he's doing whilst he's at Manchester United, the, the, the kind of style of play and, and the, the instructions that he's given, the clarity I think that he's given when he's speaking to us in the media are all massive positives. So, I, I don't think he could have handled this any differently. And clearly, he's got to a point where he he knows he needs to you know get rid of Ronaldo so that he can actually build something because otherwise it's just going to be this toxic smoke over Old Trafford until you know the the air clears will Eric Ten Hag be be stronger for this experience Andy will the squad be stronger for coming out the other side of this as well yes to both um i've spoke to people inside the club this week and there's definitely a feeling of the players let's just move on from this we're okay you know he's been a great player if manchester united could use some of the money that it's currently going on Cristiano's wages, maybe to bring another forward in who scores goals, then that would be more progress. As Laurie said, Ten Hag's come out of this well. Um, he, he He's a disciplinarian. Uh, I think we all got a good first impression of him on the pre-season tour. There were a couple of players who moved slightly out of line and he disciplined them privately. And I think he's been very fair. I don't think um, he has betrayed Cristiano Ronaldo. I think he's been fair with him, the way that he's treated him, brought him back into the fold, made him captain, given him plenty of minutes. All the power is with Ten Hag at the moment. Ten Hag is a man in a position of strength. Cristiano is a person in a position of weakness. And I think that the vast majority of Manchester United fans will back the manager. Admittedly, he's still going through a honeymoon period, but I think he's doing a good job. Had some decent results, getting better with the media, got a very clear idea of what he wants, 
if this was a mess, we would be hearing things internally. You know, a few weeks into Ralph Rangnick, we were hearing things like, whoa, this doesn't quite add up. And I think it was pretty disrespectful of Cristiano to say that, that what he did about Rangnick and also about um, about Eric Ten Hag and what good can come from saying it. I mean, it's really unprofessional to do it on television. Well, it's not really endearing you to a new club either, is it? I don't think. You know, if, you, if you're a manager sat there thinking, do I want this player at my club? Or if you're an owner indeed sat there thinking, do I want this player at my club? Neither of the comments on Ten Hag Rangnick or, or indeed the owners, you know, as much as probably a lot of Manchester United fans thought that was a welcome verdict, it's not really going to endear you to a new set of people, is it? No, it's not. But football's an industry full of idiots, and there's plenty of idiots who will bring him in. <laughs> got four here. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, speaking from experience, yeah. <laughs> but, but as Carl said, he can go and be the main man at a, at a club who aren't as good as a supposedly top Premier League team. I don't doubt if he went to live in in LA or Miami or New York, given his commercial appeal, a new start for him, for his family, nice lifestyle choices. He could continue to be an absolutely major star. And you saw um, some of the players who went to the US, like Wayne Rooney, absolutely brilliant in Washington, Steven Gerrard, David Beckham, Gareth Bale, loads of them. Go and enjoy it, enjoy your life, and it'll get well paid again. But the standard is not as high as the very top standard in Europe. He's not finished. He said he wants to play for another couple of years. Great. It's great he's in that position to do that. Looked after himself fantastically well. And loads of players have fallen by the wayside while he's ploughed on and on and on. And this whole me, me, me has, has made him who he is. One of the two greatest players ever, probably. But there's a flip side to it, which we're now seeing in the interview. He's not finished. He just needs to work out a deal with Manchester United. who shouldn't pay up his contract. Why should United do that? And go somewhere where he's happy, where his family are happy, where he can enjoy his football again. That's the key thing, though, isn't it, Andy? Because um, he wants still, you can hear it in that interview, that Champions League level um, platform. He he feels that's where, and that's where this is. That's where this kind of incredible emotion is coming from. Because he's like, I am so good, <laughs> I should be starting every week for Manchester United, and if I'm not, I should be starting every week for another Champions League team. But as you know, you know, as we all know, and it, this is where when Carl says about different versions of the truth, or you know, there's, there's just wrong statements coming out. If United are forcing him out, which he said, and he's got loads of offers from other clubs, why isn't he joining one of those other clubs? The only offer he's, he's had, really, is Saudi Arabia, and he doesn't want to do that. So I guess that's where you'd go into the MLS uh, situation and think, would he would he also think he's too uh, too good for that at this particular moment? So, um, But it just, it made for quite... That, that aspect of it made quite a sad feeling from me because I kind of felt you, you sh if you're so good you shouldn't have to tell everybody if you're so charismatic you shouldn't have to tell everybody just just you know allow understand I suppose how the football you know can can work and I mean yeah he knows he knows more than me on that on that score but it, it felt like he was fighting a battle that he, he couldn't win really in that one he gets linked to clubs and within two days those clubs denied that there's any link it was yeah, it yeah. was Bayern Munich this week. It happened about a dozen times over over the close season. Cristiano in link. Everyone clicks on it. Click click click. Editors keen to publish it. Bang bang bang. A day later, X club deny that they're interested in Cristiano Ronaldo and especially his huge wages. I just want to get a reaction before we move on and and talk about the fans' reaction to this and the the survey that the Athletics done about his teammates. Carl, um, we'll hear the clip first actually. So this is Ronaldo talking about 
which of the players in the world he admires and he brings it straight back to the United dressing room. What I see from my eyes, for example, if you tell me what I see, for example, in Manchester United, I can mention probably Dalot, Diogo Dalot. His example is young, but very professional. So Diogo Dalot is definitely one of his friends. I don't think there's any question about that. He goes on to mention Casimiro and Martinez. One of the players he didn't mention was Bruno Fernandes. Um, and he's perhaps the first player that we've had a real quote from on this situation, and especially considering there was a clip of Bruno and Ronaldo that went viral meeting up uh, for Portugal in the dressing room. Bruno said in an interview that you needed to hear the audio to understand exactly what went on, but then didn't explain properly exactly what went on. But this is what Bruno's response was when he was asked about his relationship with Ronaldo. I didn't read the interview, so <laughs> I'm OK with that. Uh, as I said before, uh, now his national team is Portugal. Uh, I said I said to him, uh, the coach made a point that is us. So he made that point since I came to the national team in uh, 2017, I think. Uh, and that is still clear that in his mind, uh, the main thing here is national team and us. So we have to be focused on the World Cup because a World Cup doesn't come uh, every time. You don't have a chance to play a World Cup uh, many times. Cristiano had the lucky to play. Lucky, no, he, had, he, had, he did really well to play five times. It will be his, 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 five, his fifth time in the, in the World Cup. So everyone is ready for that. Everyone wants to give the best for the team. It's been suggested that you gave him a bit of a cold shoulder in the dressing room on Monday. Why you say that? Because it, they put out footage, the uh, FA, and it, it looked like, because there was no sound, that you were a bit cross with the, They put the sound after. Did you did you hear with the sound? Ah, OK. You have to do it. Because what happened? You know, you know what's happened? He's like, in Portugal we have a problem that... I was watching one, uh, one of the channels that was talking about that, was cold, was bad, uh, for... 45 minutes all of a sudden they go in a break national team send with us with the sound the sound says that he's joking with me and so they they come back they said there was a joke and they cut there and they said if you want to see again just go back but if they, if they go back they will see that was a problem but if they told if they tell the the really true if they explain what was in that video people will know but now people doesn't know so as I said, this is national team. Manchester United will be my focus after the World Cup, after the 18th of December, because there is the final. And the f you have no problem with it. I have no problem with anyone. I do my job, and uh, and, and is, is everything. Uh, one time, one manager said to me, "Everything that you can control is yourself." So uh, I think everyone thinks the same way. You have to control yourself, give your best, and that's it. Right, Carl. I've teased you there by playing two clips after saying your name. So. Um the dressing room reaction to this, how do you actually think the players would have felt seeing this and seeing these issues blown out into the public domain? There's probably going to be a group saying, oh, he's gone public then. Uh, there's probably going to be a group going, is he going to go post-January? Uh, and there's probably a group, you know, planning uh, for what happens if he stays, or you know how they're going to approach that if he t if he turns up when that January World Cup's over and January transfer window's open, it is quite interesting. We mentioned Bruno Fernandes. We're talking just after Portugal have done a World Cup friendly against Nigeria without Cristiano Ronaldo, who was out with illness, and Portugal were good. Bruno Fernandes had a very good game. Diogo Dalla had a very good game. And this is the thing that Laurie's talked about, about how it is a bit sad that when Cristiano Ronaldo is not playing for Manchester United, when he's not playing for Portugal, these teams are a lot 
more coherent. They're a lot more fluid in their motion. In a footballing sense, he plays better without Cristiano Ronaldo. And I think in a dressing room sense, it's probably easier for someone like Fernandes to do the things he wants to do around Manchester United and possibly around Portugal if Cristiano Ronaldo isn't there. Let's get into the fan survey then on The Athletic because if Cristiano Ronaldo thinks that the Manchester United fans will always be on his side, I'd advise him not to read the results of this because it is extremely damning. As you'd expect though, to be fair, I, I'm not really shocked about any of this, to be honest. Ronaldo... Um, is he justified to say that he feels betrayed by Manchester United? 91% no. Was he right to refuse to come on as a sub against Spurs? 98% no. Um, should Ronaldo face disciplinary action? 94% yes. Um, has Ten Hag treated Ronaldo unfairly? 94% no. Should United seek to sell Ronaldo in January? 94% yes. Should United seek to terminate Ronaldo's contract? 84% yes. Should Ronaldo be allowed to play for United again? 89% no. I could go on. Uh, it, it tells the story, Andy, doesn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely damning. Um, I'm not surprised on one level, but I am on another because he's so popular globally. And I thought there might be a bit of kickback, but with Athletic subscribers, that they've made their, their voices and opinions very clear on this. Chimes with my own opinion, if I'm honest, and it chimes, I think, with a lot of what we all said on the podcast on Monday. I don't think we were out of step there. I think people have seen the interview for what it is. Uh, I don't think it would be remembered as a, a, a good idea for him to do that. But knowing in his mind, if he gets the move he wants away and somehow comes to some compromise, he might think it was all worth doing. And you can see how Piers Morgan's mind's working with it as well. And talk, yeah, in the future I'll do this. Well, I'll get involved in that because he just hitches his caravan to those A-listers. That's his whole style, be it Donald Trump or Cristiano um, Ronaldo. But I wouldn't say I'm encouraged at the results because it's a pretty bleak situation. But uh, I think they're, uh, it, 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 they, they absolutely tally with, with how I'm feeling. Laurie, there's one aspect of the, the survey that I wasn't sure about if I'd answered the question actually on reflection um, and I wasn't sure about how the result had come out either 72% said that United weren't right to re-sign Ronaldo in August 2021 I'm verging towards yes they were right because the ride has been <laughs> worth riding at times um, just about I think I'm undoing my <laughs> point here Anna but what do you think about 72% saying they weren't right to re-sign him I think obviously they're speaking after this interview where it's the the darkest you know, relationship between Ronaldo and United. So the, the gut instinct would be absolutely no no chance. Uh, shouldn't, shouldn't have resigned him. And we did have these questions at the time. I know we celebrated it because it was quite exciting. It was the idea of United beating City to the punch and, I don't know, memories of childhood coming back. In my defence, I also, I wasn't there for that podcast. Oh, <laughs> so you're absolving yourself. Okay, I'm speaking with rose-tinted glasses uh, and we were all absolutely getting the pom-poms out and uh, and doing cartwheels. But um, I don't know. Played hell with the recording <laughs> that, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, still 27% are saying, you know, it was right to re-sign him because clearly at that point it felt like he was you know, the cherry on top of a, a decent cake that was being baked by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, and, you know, the reality is it, he still, you know, he still scored 24, 
goals last season for Manchester United. In their worst ever Premier League season. I yeah. think this is the important thing to say. Okay, fine. But how many players have scored 24 goals in a team that's finished seventh? Not many. Yeah. Do you not so think that... those two things are linked? Is is my big well, yeah, sort of... Yeah, but it's still... It's still an undeniable fact that he scored a lot of goals in a team that badly underachieved. And and I know what you're saying. You're saying that they badly underachieved because Ronaldo scored a lot of goals. I get it. But what's the alternative, though? But the, the alternative was allowing, Carl, the alternative was him going to Manchester City, wasn't it? And, and allowing... Go on, then. Fine. Well, I'll go get my other Champions Leagues later because I'm going to build a proper team over here. Like, it didn't... It just didn't... That prospect does not hurt me as much as... the. You got done 4 0 against Brighton. Right? There were so many bad things that happened last season that it would have hurt. I'm like, it would have hurt watching City win the Champions League. And it and if you still liked Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm sure it would have hurt to watch him lift the trophy with them. But Cristiano Ronaldo had already scored goals that helped knock out Manchester United the Champions League for Real Madrid. He'd already scored for Juventus against Manchester United and showed off his abs. People said, oh, do you think if he joins City, he'll ruin his legacy? His legacy was already, his United legacy was already done, you know, written in gold letters, as he always likes to say. But he'd already gone off and done things and shown he didn't really love Manchester United the way that we thought he did. He loved Alex Ferguson. I think that was all very, very clear before he even came back. That it's not United, it's Ferguson. And I think the Ferguson thing, now in hindsight, if you look at all these interviews, might be because Ferguson indulged him a little bit. So it, uh, United going out and getting Cristiano Ronaldo because they thought City was going to get is a very good sign of all of the things Cristiano Ronaldo said in that interview about how Manchester United are not at the standards they used to be. Because only a foolish club that makes foolish decisions that aren't properly considered would have gone, oh my God, our biggest rival might be getting an older version of one of our best players. We should go get him and pay him a ridiculous amount of money. Like, that is the crucial point. I'm doing loads of hand gestures here. Uh, and again, you know, dirty southerner. I call it Manny. I, I still haven't bought a proper raincoat for this weather. Andy's going to tear my head off. But I'll say it this way. Andy tears my head off because I like him and I respect him. And he's, you know, he, I've got, in Andy, I've got something Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't have, which is a friend who can go, shut up, you knob. <laughs> Behave yourself. And I think Ronaldo needs more of them. Andy, you going to rip his head off? No, not not at all. That point on Ferguson is interesting. Did it take Alex Ferguson to stop him going to Manchester City? Is he then saying that he was prepared to go for Manchester City? And that does that yeah. not undo all the love he's talking about and the emotion of going to, to Manchester United? 100%, by the way. 100%. There's loads of contradictions in there. There was loads of contradictions in there, and that was just one of them. Um, I want to get into some questions and some points that that some of our listeners made as well on Twitter yesterday because lots of them were were good enough to to send us things and I, and I feel like we should we should get to some of them um and, and actually on this point Andy this is perfect Hughes McClare Keenan Cantona um presumably he's also got an account called Robson can Chelsea some gigs but it, older fans will get will understand the reference to that uh, question for Andy Mitten Ronaldo saying he was close to joining City so much respect he has for United was he actually that close or is it more delusion from our number seven? Well, I think if City would have really pushed for him, they would have got him. But Ferguson definitely did call someone at Manchester United and said, you cannot let this happen. And the biggest reason he came back to United, the man pushing it all, was Ed Woodward. And 
on the day that he signed, I got a message saying, Ed's done this. And it was a sort of congratulate, self-congratulatory message. Ed had managed to do the numbers and convince Joel Glazer that this is going to work. And that was said when we were all, apart from Carl, euphoric about Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> coming back to Manchester United. It wasn't a footballing decision. It was a commercial decision, which was then presented to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as, you know, would you like Cristiano Ronaldo? And, and I think 99% of managers would have said, yeah, because it's another, another string to their bow. Uh, little could he have known that a few months later he'd be out of a job himself. I was quite surprised also of how complimentary Ronaldo was about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because that was not the soundings I was getting a year ago. And if he's been open about Rangnick, why would he not be open about Solskjaer? Larry? Yeah, I'm fascinated about the, the Solskjaer element, as, as Andy's touched on there. Like how I hear conflicting stories about exactly what happened on that signing because... I I was of the belief that Solskjaer wanted this. Like I know there's coaches that said he was a kind of uh, addition, you know, an unexpected appendage to this squad that they were building. But, you know, everything that I'd heard previous to that, Solskjaer would always kind of give the impression that he wanted, he would, if given the chance, he would get Ronaldo in a heartbeat and that they could maybe even use him to kind of raise those standards that, you know, he's talked about there at the club that have, have dwindled since Sir Alex Ferguson departed. Um, clearly, if that was the case, then, you know, it, it bit him on the arse. But, um, but yeah, I, I, do, I do agree with you that Edward Wood was a crucial figure in making it work from a commercial sense. And the, the irony being that if United, as Carl's alluded to, were a fully functioning progressive club, then they wouldn't have been signing Cristiano Ronaldo. So the kind of issues that he points out are the issues that has brought him back to Old Trafford. He wasn't in the yeah. long-term plans for United. Yeah. So you, Ollie did want him, you know, do you want Cristiano Ronaldo? Yes, I do. But I remember in the April, I sat in a hotel room in Milan, checking a story out about Cristiano going back to Manchester United. And Manchester United said to me, absolutely nothing in it. And then I dug around a bit more and saw that the origins of the story were a guy called Cristiano Ronaldo. So he was pushing himself towards United. So he wasn't in United's medium or long-term planning. It came about right at the end, just like Radamel Falcao did, just like some of Manchester United's most panicked signings. That said, I loved watching him last season. Yeah, and that, that was sort of my point as well, really, to be honest. Andy, you're going to have to go, aren't you, mate? Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you go then. Thank you so much for being with us and we'll see you the other side of the World Cup. All right, let's get back to the questions then. Laurie, we had quite a few about January now. So uh, Russ on Twitter, um, Tom20MU on Twitter, Andro as well. I'll read his out. Hi, and a question for the podcast. If Ronaldo leaves in January, who is a realistic replacement? Uh, and the other questions, Laurie, are along the lines of, will United sign a replacement in January if indeed, as we expect, Ronaldo departs? Everything I've heard is that the budget isn't there for January. Um, they're looking at the summer. They overspent in the summer just gone because there was panic, because there was an imperative to get Ten Hag a bit of a boost after those two disastrous opening games. So that has coloured everything about what United might do now in the future. I think in an ideal world, they say goodbye to Cristiano Ronaldo and it doesn't cost them anything. And then they can, I don't know, I, I would probably expect them to get some kind of replacement in of a low cost. You know, we're hearing... Um, there's been reports, hasn't there, in Germany about um, Eric Maxim Chupamoting, who I saw you know play for Bayern Munich the other night. 
Um, and I, 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 I 33 used to be on the bench at Stoke, but I can see how he actually would, you know, at least bring something to United. It wouldn't be a kind of, you know, mad grenade like Marco Anatovic, I think, uh, would have been. But it's amazing, again, by the way, how spending a little bit of time on a bench at Stoke it is like the reference point he's won loads for him, of league despite the PSG. fact he's scored some really important <laughs> Champions League and goals. Champions League goal. yeah, it's impossible to level. shake Stoke's bench, basically. This is not us, by the way, constructing a defence of Chupo Moting because we think Manchester United are going to sign him in January and we need to get on board no. with him. It's just more a comment yeah, on yeah. The, the narrative around him. So, unlikely I mean, then, Laurie. If United are actually serious and they're going to buy a strike, they need a proper striker of a good age that they can build a team around or at least they can mm-hmm. fit totally into Eric Ten Hag's um, strategy. So, why would you have to? You shouldn't have to force it in the January window because you, you know your star player, you know, your biggest name has uh, decided he wants out. Um, so, really, the smart thing, perhaps that they had to, they have to take a bit of pain. Maybe they could do a, a stopgap. But I mean, we're, we're there again, aren't we? Odin Agallo was supposed to be the last stopgap. You know, Vladimir <laughs> Falcao was supposed to be the last stopgap. I mean, how, this recurring cycle, and and I do, you know, for all the talk of United are improving and, and getting things better behind the scenes. You know, proof is in the pudding. So, like, let, let, let's see what happens. I, I don't know. I, I personally think the smarter move would be to kind of keep your powder dry and, and wait for the the real play that you want to become available, um, and and then you know spend the the requisite money for that. But you know, again, that would that that would require planning right now um, and and making those moves in place. Um, you know, Benjamin Sesco was one that they obviously had talks with in the summer. He's made the move, the the big move from uh, Red Bull Salzburg to RB Leipzig, um, or he will be making it in in the summer. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Could could United dip into that and somehow (laughs) sort something there? I mean, um, John Obi Mikel, you know, signed for Chelsea before whilst holding a United shirt up without playing a game. So I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, but I don't think there's there's not a wealth of of strikers, is there? There's obviously Osman and Napoli who's tearing things up, but... You know, you've got to look at that situation. I think he's going to cost an awful lot of money. And I just find that difficult to balance with the <laughs> what I'm hearing about the finances behind the scenes. Right, that's enough on Ronaldo. But thank you so much for everyone for getting involved, for answering the questions on the fan survey on The Athletic and also tweeting your points and questions to us as well. But we need to finish this podcast, Laurie, on one highlight of your journey across the globe, it feels like, to Qatar. And that was meeting up with Edwin van der Sar, former Manchester United goalkeeper. The article's up there on The Athletic now if people want to go and read it. Um, but yeah, fascinating. He's a really intriguing character, Edwin, isn't he? From doing yo signs with his fingers before he starts interviews to the job that he's doing at Ajax. I thought that was the best way to start it in the end because he said lots of interesting things, but just trying to convey the environment that we were in and the atmosphere that he created was kind of my intention really because it was disarming it, it kind of it didn't feel like you were meeting um this you know powerful executive that he is you can talk to him i think you could talk to him all day about the different things that he's experienced from even you know modern goalkeeping and, and how the you know players now are one of the 11 outfield players and i didn't realize the back pass rule actually came in when he first started so like 92 93 so he had to kind of adjust how he'd been playing in the academy he said louis van Gaal was very sharp on it straight away realizing that this opened up new potentials for how to play football and you know louis van Gaal is now still the, the dutch coach at the world cup so the, those kind of links were quite were really interesting um and then i, I obviously thought the stuff about recruitment, Ajax, talks with United this summer over Lisandro Martinez and Anthony were, were fascinating for me. 
had there been any agreement, don't come back for these players, or no? No, of course I spoke with uh, with United first uh, with, about uh, about Eric, of course, and with uh, with Richard Arnold, we had a good conversation. Of course, Eric did a fantastic job four and a half years, uh, changed Ajax, brought Ajax back on the European map. Uh, of course, with the players that uh, that we uh, that we had. Um, after that, of course, you jokingly, okay, that's it. But you know, yeah, in hindsight, that that coaches like or managers like the players where they work with mm-hmm. and uh, the type of football that Eric wants to play and uh, to have uh, Martinez there. I think he's, he's shown his, his, his word now. Yeah. Uh, it was some question marks initially, uh, but the way he can yeah, read the game, how aggressive he, he can is, and of course, maybe whatever, he misses 10 centimeters, but he make up, makes up for other, uh, with other qualities. Mm. And Anthony? Uh, still young, still potential. Uh, but I said, I rather would have kept him here one year le- younger, uh, y- longer. Was n- we not with not in dire need to sell him or something because we're mm-hmm. a well-run club. Uh, there's money in the bank. Uh, but so important when, yeah, even yeah, the fees got got so high and yeah, really uh, challenged United to to go as far as possible. Um, and that's what we uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what we did. And they, uh, yeah, they have uh, a potential world star in their uh, in making. Right, we need to leave it there. That's our last podcast for Talk of the Devils then, before the World Cup, barring any other major developments, of course. I don't think there's going to be any more bombshell interviews between now and the 27th of December, or the 17th of December, sorry, when, when the League Cup tie against uh, Burnley is due to take place. We will be back before that game. But for the minute, enjoy the World Cup. Remember, while the podcast is away, the coverage on Manchester United and indeed the tournament on Qatar is raging on The Athletic. There's some absolutely brilliant stuff on there. You can get the very best coverage of the World Cup, uh, including a new columnist, a new set of columnists, which includes a former Manchester United captain and former number seven, very briefly, um, Antonio Valencia, which is interesting. Uh, he first caught the eye, of course, at the 2002 World Cup, and he'll be giving his thoughts on exactly what goes on in Qatar. You can read Antonio's thoughts and indeed the rest of it by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can do that in a minute, remember, for just £1 a month for the first six months when you sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. But for the moment, Carl, thank you very much. Laurie, thank you very much as well. Cheers to Andy, who nipped off a while ago as well. We'll see you after the World Cup. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. The Athletic.